I'm starting a new series this morning called Getting It or Get It in 2020. Everybody say it. I want you this year to get it. It's going to happen. There are going to be some aha moments happen. Psalm 92 verse 5 and 6 says, How great are your works, O Lord. The stupid man cannot know. The fool cannot understand this. The message translation says it like this. Dullards never notice what you do. Fools never do get it. A dullard is a slow or stupid person. I didn't know the Bible said things like that, but isn't that just like God to, instead of calling someone stupid, he just calls them a dullard or a fool. And we see in the New Testament, the word fool is, that's a serious word. And Jesus said, don't, any, don't ever call anybody that. A fool is a dangerous person. The, met, the passage translation of this same story, of this same passage says this. Such amazing mysteries found within every miracle that nearly everyone seems to miss. Amazing mysteries found within every miracle. And most people miss it. They don't get it. And then notice what he says. Those with no discernment can never really discover the deep and glorious secrets hidden in your ways. The goodness of God, his great ways, his love, Unfortunately, a lot of people, it's still mysterious, it's hidden, and not everybody gets it. The Bible says fools never get it. In Proverbs, we see a fool is the exact opposite of a wise person. Um, sometimes there's things that I don't get. We were watching a movie this week, a couple movies actually, and I, I as a pastor, like, I'm always going, I want you to get it. I want you to get it. Like, if I have to preach it the same thing for six weeks, I want you to get it before we move on. And we were watching um, a movie called Divergent. Some of you may have seen the series a few years ago. I had never seen it. And Caroline, our daughter, had seen it. And she, and, and it's one of those movies, it's not a chick flick. And I'm a chick flick kind of guy. I do have a man card. Tom Jennings gave it to me. And it's actually right, he asked me, New Year's Eve, if I still had it. I said, Tom, do I look like I still have it? Are you concerned that I've lost it or something? And, uh, but I do have a man card. But I, I like a movie that the movie moves me. It creates emotion and I'm at the edge of tears. I don't like to have to concentrate and watch and listen to every single detail in a movie. Well, Divergent is not a chick flick. And, I, and so every once in a while, Caroline would hit pause, and she'd go, do you get it? And I'm like, get what? And then she would, oh, like, yeah, I got it. And, and all the way down the line. And then we got through that, and it was a great movie. And, I, but I'm so, and she said, this is like the fifth time I've watched it, and I saw things I've never gotten before. And that's how a good movie is. And then Luke had me watch, y'all going to question my, spirituality but Luke had me watch Braveheart I've never seen Braveheart I'm a chick flick kind of guy 
I'm a good husband. I don't watch and do all that gory stuff. And so, and, and, but Luke was going, do you, do you realize, you know who that is? Remember when he said, and I'm like, yeah, I get it, I get it, I get it. But thank God for children who can help their father get it. And that's, that's what I feel like in, as a pastor. And Proverbs 26 says, verse 11, it says, as a dog returns to his vomit, so fools repeat, repeat their folly. You know, some people, listen to me, they do the same old thing, get the same old thing all the time. And I want to say to you, you've heard this before, but you've never gotten it perhaps. If you want something you don't have and never have had, you might, you probably need to do something you've never done. If you do what you've always done, you're going to get what you've always gotten. In 2020, don't sit there foolishly, not getting it, going, no, this is going to be my year. I'm going to do the same old thing. I'm the same old me, and I, I don't want to be stretched. I don't want to get something. Don't hit pause, God. Don't make me concentrate and pay attention. Then you're going to have the same old stuff. Probably what's keeping you from having everything God has for you, those mysteries, hidden things, is because you haven't gotten it. There's something you haven't gotten. It's that simple. And listen, getting it isn't as easy as it may sound. There are forces at work that can keep you from getting it, such as the spirit of the world, Satan, the devil, your own flesh is selfish. Matthew chapter 11, Jesus, he said to a couple of cities, he, he, he warned them, he said, woe to Chorazin and Bethsaida. He said, if, if I had done half of what I've done here in Sodom, Sodom would still remain. They wouldn't have been, if I had done half of what I did here, there, they would have gotten it. And you still you don't get it. The disciples asked Jesus why he always talks or taught in parables. And he told them it was because of two things. Number one, the prophets said I would teach in parables. Number two, when I teach in parables, I break down these profound, complex truths that will help you have a better chance of getting it. Jesus wants you to get it, and it's not as easy as you may think. Ephesians chapter 1, this is why the Apostle Paul, and you, we've, I've talked about this a number of times. It's a great passage of Scripture. In that first chapter, he says, verses 15 through 19, paraphrase, he says, I ask the God of glory to make you intelligent and discerning. That's where we see in the NIV and the ESV that he might give you, listen, he might give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. That he will show you some things, reveal some things, and he'll give you wisdom on how to handle what he showed you. How to get it. Paul here in the message says, to make you intelligent and discerning and knowing him personally. Your eyes focused and clear so that you can see, grasp, the immensity of this glorious way of life he has for his followers. Oh, the utter extravagance of his work in us who trust him. Endless energy 
boundless strength. How many of you would just say, Pastor Chuck, yeah, keep on praying that God will make me intelligent and discerning. Everybody listen, this is side note, and I, I don't, I believe in the coming days, what's happening in the United Methodist Church, what's happening um, in the culture at large, listen, one of the most necessary things you are going to need is a discerning spirit. There is so much rat poison being taught from the Bible that it's 97% true and it's 3% rat poison and, and 97% only can kill you. And you, we need to be discerning. We need to get it is what I'm saying. Now, this morning, I, I feel in me a new authority. I, I feel a new sense of confidence in the Lord. And not, not arrogance, not, not pride, but just a sense of my assignment. And please hear what I'm about to say. This isn't like stuff you do in seminary. There, there are things in my life that I have gotten. There's things that, there was a time in my life, I got it. I got it. I don't return to that vomit. That crap that now was vomited, and I don't, there's some things I have gotten in my life, and I want everybody to listen just carefully. And as a leader, a spiritual leader, I think one of the challenges for the church in our country in this day is leaders are not leading. Spiritual leaders are not leading. Now, what does that mean? A spiritual leader has gone to a place where the people who are following are not yet there. And it's that leader's job to get them there, not to make them feel good about where they are. And it, in, in my own life, there are things that I have been bashful about as, as it relates to teaching and preaching. And you all know this. Um, every spiritual gift assessment I've ever taken since I was a teenager is uh, profit is my gift, not pastoral. Profit, teacher are my two dominant gifts. And so I see everything as black and white. I have... There's grace on this assignment for me to care for people and to have compassion and empathy, and I do. And I truly, I'm not putting on, and you know it if it's true or not. If I were lying, you would know it. I love people. I love the Lord. I love his word. I love you. You know, I have friends at their church, they have 1,500 or 2,000 people, and I tell them, y'all are having fun, but you're not having more fun than me. I have the dream job. Y'all deal with different pressures. You know, and, and I, so when I say there is a prophetic anointing on my life to call, you know, I see things as black and white. And so this morning when I share these things, um, I'm going to share some personal things that Candace and I, there was a day we got it. And I want to take you and stretch you and, and to help you see that there's some things, there's mysteries, beautiful things hidden. There are blessings. There are secrets to marriage, family, finances, 
It's in God's word. It's not Dr. Phil or Oprah. And there's some things over our years of raising children in North Atlanta. There's some things. We got it. And it's my job to help you get it. And I pray that if God ever would move you away from here or to another place, I pray that you are following a spiritual leader who is confident about taking you to places that you haven't been yet. How many of you this morning are saying, I'm ready to get it? All right, good. What would you say, Roshan? The spirit is willing, the flesh is weak. How many of you want to get what God wants you to get in 2020? Look at me. There are some aha moments that you're going to have this year. You're going to go, I've never seen it. Like, I've never had the courage to obey that in that area of my life. You're going to have, in the name of Jesus, some divine, wow, aha, I get it moments. And y'all know how I am. If I get it, I want you to get it. You know, and I don't care what it is. You may think it's crazy. Y'all think I'm crazy about my chiropractor. I am. He has saved my life. I love that man. I have a man crush on him. All the stuff he's done for me, I love him. And I'm not ashamed of it. Candace knows about this. Um, this year I posted, I found the best burrito in the city of Atlanta. And it's at the BP right down the street at Crabapple. I swear to you, it's the best burrito in Atlanta. Laugh at me. Go check it out. You can thank me later. I promise you, it's the best burrito for $7 in the city of Atlanta. Where's Luke? Oh, wait, Luke's in the Dominican. Uh, JP's not here. Stone's not here. Caroline won't eat it. Uh, Candace, it's good, isn't it? Oh, honey, help me out. <laughs> Lord Jesus. So there are some things that I have gotten that I want you to get. And I'm going to move through five of them quickly the next Five weeks, we're going to spend time right here. Number one is, you've got to get the first thing, the top priority, el numero uno. You've got to get the first thing. What's the first thing, Pastor Chuck? It's easy. Get ready. you got to get it. Matthew 6, Jesus said, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Everybody look here. We have been so poor about getting it, the first thing, the top priority, that I was shocked this week to look in the modern translations. Look at me, how that verse says, the ESV, the New King James, NIV, King James, Phillips translation, all say, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Do you know the new translations are not saying that? I love the message. I love the passion. We've used a couple of them already. But they say things like this. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Well, God bless you. Just steep your life. That's not what Jesus is saying. The passion says, so above all, constantly chase after the realm of God's kingdom. You know, just precious moments. You know, no, that, I love the modern translation, but when it doesn't fit and it's not a good translation, I'm not going to bring that junk to you. The, Jesus said, seek first 
What is the message here? What things will be added unto me? In Matthew 6, it says, it's about life. It's about what makes life work. It's about living worry-free, decreasing and eliminating the source of your stress. And it starts in verse 19 in Matthew 6. And it's, Jesus says, hey, store up treasures in heaven, not here in the earth. Verse 24, he says, no one can serve two masters. You can't love God and other things, money. Verse 25, he says, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, drink, or wear. Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap, and they never gather into barns. Your heavenly Father feeds them. You're more valuable to him than they are. Consider the lilies of the field, he says. They just grow and are well clothed. Solomon, the richest man ever, the Bill Gates of the Bible. He never, never had a wardrobe like theirs. So listen, stop living like this. Stop worrying. Stop fretting over staying in fashion and having the essentials, food and rent. Stop worrying. How? How, Pastor Chuck? The secret I found is this. Put God first. Listen, don't clap. I don't have the time. Listen, I'm serious. Put him first. Where is he in your life? He's in my top five, top three for me. He's not a, he doesn't like silver medals. He doesn't do red ribbons. Next week we'll talk, it's, he's immutable. He cannot change. There are certain characters, he cannot let himself be number two in your life. He can't. If he's number two or three or in your top five, I hope you have a good counselor and a good doctor who can get you meds because you're going to need them to manage the stress and the panic in your life. If you put him first, all these things will be added unto you. He'll take care of your children. He'll take care of that situation you're worried about with your boss and, and your job and those clients and that lack of phone calls. And he'll take care of your health and there'll be a vitality in your spiritual life. If he's number one, and listen, there's five things we're going to talk about this morning. There's a reason why I'm talking about this one first. If there's only one this morning of the five that I want you to get that we have gotten, it's this one. Most everybody I deal with that's in a mess, we could go to one thing and say, is God first in your life? Well, you know, and, and we'll talk about this next week. There's reasons why he's not first. Maybe we were mistreated or our father was a jerk and we have a hard time looking at God as someone loving and trustworthy. We were abused. There's unforgiveness that we, we've struggled to be able to do it. We know we want to. We know we need to make him number one. We just haven't been able to. And, and so we need some help in order to get it. But here's the deal. If you've got him number two, all these things, the inverse is true. Make him number one, all these things, he, he's got it for you. If you don't make him number one, all these things, he ain't got it for you. It'll be up to you. Are y'all out there this morning? 
and listen, go, oh, gosh, this is going to be so hard to make him number one. No. When that encounter happens and you get it, oh, may God help all of us this year to get it and go, the release, the freedom, the lack of stress, anxiety, worry, all this dissonance in our life, we just go, I wish I'd gotten it a long time ago. How many of you will raise your hand and say, if it kills me this year, I'm making him and his kingdom first in my life, in my marriage, in my family, and in our church. Come on, somebody. Give God praise in this place. Speaking of first things, number two, I want you to get this. Just see, you got to see from Genesis to Revelations, the first thing principle. God is into first things. He wants to be first and he wants you to give to him first. This is why, listen, we do our devotions early in the morning. First thing. If some of you, listen, would do what Louis Giglio encouraged me to do years ago. Before your feet touch the floor, ask God to fill you with his spirit for that day. Just now, it's 15 seconds before your feet touch the floor. Look at me. There's a reason why I go to my utmost for his highest devotional before I go to Facebook. If I go to Facebook, it'll be an hour and a half later, I'm finally getting to my utmost for his highest. I'm making some decisions. The next seven weeks... I'm going to be hard to get a hold of. I just want to tell you, don't be offended if I don't respond to your text within the year. Honestly, you need me to do this. I'm going away, and I look forward to it. There's a reason we do these things first. In Exodus 13, verses 1 and 2, the Lord said to Moses, Consecrate to me all the firstborn. Whatever is the first to open the womb among the people of Israel, both of man and of beast, is mine. We'll talk more about this in the coming weeks. But notice what he says. Everybody listen. It's very emphatic in the Hebrew. The firstborn belongs to the Lord, he says. They are mine. Mine. Everybody look here. If your sheep has a little lamb... It's the first lamb that little sheep's ever had. Do you keep it or give it to the Lord? If you keep it and you go, well, I, how will I know if, if they'll have more? And I'd like to get seven or eight, maybe ten, and then your flesh would pick the, the runt of the litter and go, let's give that one to God. No, I wouldn't. Yeah, that's what happened in Malachi. They stopped giving the first and then they looked for the weakling that was worthless. And God said, do you think I like your three-legged mangy dogs? No, I want the pick of the litter. I want the champion stud. And if you give him to me, it's part of you needing to have faith and trust in me that give that first one. I might give you instead of 10, I might give you 25. Jesus talked about 30, 60, 100 fold. But you can't give that second one, that fifth one, if I give you 10 $100 bills as your pay this week. Which one goes to the Lord? They're not all equal. I thank God Candace and I were raised in, in a home that 
We learned to tithe. I did as a preteen in fourth grade. I had a paper route. I carried Southwest Times in Pulaski, Virginia on my little satchel on my bicycle. 68 or 70 customers. It depended on what week it was. And I delivered those things. In fourth grade, I started tithing. And I'm so glad I did. And here's where I listen. Trust, I trust you know my heart. This is how bad I want you to get it. Candace was raised as a tither. Her parents gave generously. And it's never been a question for us, not one time. We can't afford not to tithe. And we are blessed. I don't, I don't have to live on the salary that this church provides me. I'm thankful for it. We are blessed. It's generous. And we are grateful for it. But we're raising seven children, three of them in college right now. And we are blessed. And I don't make apology. I'm not bragging on me. I'm bragging on God. Please hear me. Please, please hear me. The difference is huge. God gave me entrepreneurial gifting as a child. I was in elementary school and I knew how to make money. I had to learn because we didn't have much. But we had everything we needed. As a college student, I managed stores. In the last 20, 25 years of our marriage, we have business deals and opportunities have just been dropped into our lap. I could tell you stories that you would be shocked at the goodness of the Lord. Our children, I've told them, you, you stop tithing, I'll know it. And we will come up there and I will take over your checkbook, Brandon Ramsey, at 28 years old. You cannot do it. Because you, listen, she knows it. He's a product of inheriting generational blessings. My 28-year-old son has a job that it, he is, it, there's, it's, it's miraculous that he's got this job. He works with a bunch of Georgia Tech grads. He makes more money than I've ever made. Now, I'm not bragging on him or you. I'm, here's what I'm doing. I'm bragging on him. May, listen, may we get generational blessings. We have, we've been given opportunities out of the clear blue in startups and whatnots to, to invest early, and we've had exponential return. And we don't spend foolishly. My car has 282,000 miles on it. Hers has 258. And we are blessed. And it's not about the money. I can look in my wife's eyes and know she trusts me. I trust her. We have a love and an intimacy. We have a marriage that you can't buy. I'm raising children that are better than I deserve to have. I'm healthy. I'm fulfilled in ministry. I'm 54 years old. I feel like it's the prime of my life. Why? Because we honor God with our first fruits. And I want to encourage you to understand the first things principle. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 and 10 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. It's all throughout Scripture. Joshua, I, I won't, we'll talk about it in the coming weeks. Joshua, the book of Joshua, the children of Israel. God miraculously brought them out of Egypt. How many of you have been brought out of Egypt? You thank God for it. You couldn't have paid your way, bought your way, hookered your way out of it. You got brought out of Egypt. Come on, how many? 
Now, maybe it's something you could, your forgiveness, your salvation, something we could have never purchased. God brought him through the wilderness into the promised land. He said first, they're going to have one battle, the first battle, Jericho. And it's going to, listen, it's going to be a battle of worship, not warfare. Worship is warfare. Yeah, it is. But when you really worship, you don't have to do the fair of the war. And so they worship. And God said, the, listen to me, the loot, the leftover spoils of Jericho, the first battle when you go in, they belong to me. All the gold and silver you bring to me. After that, they knew the principle. Achan rebelled. It cost them dearly. But God, the first battle of the 32 that they'd have to fight, the first battle that belongs to the Lord. Listen to me. I want you to get it. You know what? Our church, we need your support. And I'm preaching to the choir. Do you know what we just did? We set out to raise $150,000 in the last eight weeks of the year. You gave over $202,000. And so two people gave me a check for $1,000 today. Let me, let me, I'm not preaching this because we're broke. God's not broke. But if you don't honor him, you'll be broke. You may have every car, you may have a pool in the backyard, gated community, all the stuff, but you'll be broke. You don't honor the Lord. You'll have more of the, all these things, you'll be trying to add them to yourself. I'm preaching to a, listen, look at me. It's an honor to privilege such, to pastor such faithful people. I, in, in, in October, I was praying and I thought, Lord, I'll just put out, we'll try and raise 100000 again. We did that last year. We went like 127000 And the Lord was like, do you want to be stretched? I'd like to stretch your people. It's there. Trust me. And I'm like, okay, we'll do $150,000. And the Lord, just filling that thing out, I just put out, there'll be somebody, if somebody would give 50, if two people give 20, you saw the deal. This church, we are on the path for greatness because the banks, they cannot believe the numbers in this church. Now, we need it. We're not fat and happy. We're getting ready to do some stuff. We're getting ready to spend over a million dollars on the parking lot and the between the two buildings, we're making room, we're building kingdom. But So don't sit back and go, they don't need my money. But I want to encourage you, I want to bless you. person walked up to me in the first week, I would have never guessed they were the ones that were going to give $50,000. I nearly fell over. I had no idea they had it. I don't know who gives what to this day, I don't know, except Sometimes people will hand me their, their 2020 revitalized offerings. Look at me, brothers and sisters. Almost 100 different families gave. The banks can't believe our numbers. Look at me. You're getting ready to be blessed in 2020. I stand on the authority of the Word of God. I told you a few weeks ago, I said, oh God, I got to pray. These people are giving at a rate. God, I got to help you bless them. Whatever. And God said this to me clearly. He said, you can pray that I'll bless them. 
But I'm going to bless them whether you pray or not. Because they've already instituted the law in their own finances. In Jesus' name, from here to here, from here to up there, be blessed, be blessed, be blessed, be blessed, be blessed. Not just in finances. That's the cheapest part of the blessing. Be blessed. Are y'all getting what I'm serving up this morning? How many of you will say, say it with me, I got it. Come on, say it again. I got it. Oh, we could talk about a lot. We'll talk about more in the coming weeks. Number three, get ready. Spiritual disciplines. This is something you've got to get, okay? Everybody look at me. Prayer. Now, I want to speak to the 20-somethings, 30-somethings, and 40-somethings. This church prays. Every Tuesday, there's two rooms, a room full of men, a room full of women. Saturday nights, without me hyping and marketing and texting and begging people to come, there is a faithful crew here every Saturday night, even when George is playing LSU in the SEC championship. There is. I say that because Jim Cimbala at Brooklyn Tab, we're getting ready late February after I come off my fast. We're actually, there's a group trip we're scheduling to catch a Tuesday morning flight to fly to Brooklyn Tab and be there for their prayer service Tuesday night, spend the night in New York and come back on Wednesday. I hope you'll go with us. You'll see a church on fire with 2,500 people packed in there, most of them waiting for the doors to open up in Brooklyn, New York at 5 p.m. We pray, but 20s, 30s, 40s. Some of you have raised your kids in this church, and your kids are now in the youth group that you were in when you were growing up in this church. And it's time for you to learn how to pray. It's time for you to join the prayer groups. It's time for us to see future generations represented praying around here. The third thing I want to mention, and I'm going to talk about fasting. The, the third thing is Bible study. I I talk about it all the time. There's two things that is in every sermon. The Word's going to affect your family, and the Word is going to talk about you getting into the Word. You can't live for Jesus and not spend time in the Word. Everybody say, I got it, because I need to move on. Just Even if you don't have it, just say it by faith. Say, I got it, Pastor Chuck. All right, now let me talk to you. Um... Oh, boy. Let's talk about fasting. Um, I'm going to just tell you a couple things from Scripture, and, and we'll skip it and save it for the week that we'll talk about it. Everybody look at me. Fasting. Um, there was a demon-possessed person. Parents were begging the disciples, please help us. If you've ever been around a person tormented by an evil spirit, it is no fun to parent them. They said, please, the disciples prayed, nothing happened. Jesus prayed, and boom, he was delivered instantly. And the disciples quickly got alone with Jesus, and they said, how did you do that? And Jesus said, oh, you, look, you unbelieving, faithless generation, crooked and perverse generation, this kind comes out by Prayer and fasting. I'm going to say some stuff here that I don't have time to park, but everybody look. We live in a this kind of world right now. 
So we need a this kind of church that knows how to get deliverance for people through prayer and fasting. It's getting quiet in here and that's okay. Well, Pastor Chuck, what does fasting do? Crooked, the word there is you're too connected to the world. Perverse, you're not connected to the Spirit enough, Jesus says. Therefore, you are an unbelieving generation. You don't have faith. What does fasting do? Does it score points with God? Does it, it you know, just impress people that everybody knows I'm fasting and they're looking at my face being emaciated away as I've dropped 15 pounds? Is it a spiritual diet? Listen, no! Fasting builds your faith. And in this room, we're facing some, this kind of situations. We need our faith to be built. This is your pastor's frustration. My faith is built up and I'm here. There's some things I've gotten and I'm going, I got to get you over here. So I stretch you. Let's give to revitalize. Let's, let's learn how to pray. And, and yes, once a year, let's fast. You know what fasting does? It builds your faith. How? Because you get disconnected from the world. And you get reconnected to the Spirit. And if you've never felt the ecstasy of being able to turn down the, vo the noise and the volume in the world and get reconnected to God. In Daniel 10, God said, Daniel, be listen, because you have refrained from desirable foods, you have become desirable to God. And then the angel comes, and he says, Daniel, I was fighting basically that spirit that's in Iran and Iraq right now. And the angel said, I battled with him for weeks. And when you prayed, I won the battle. The angel is saying that to Daniel. Brothers and sisters, Let's fast and seek this first part of the year. Oh, I've got an hour in me right now. Please tune in. This is a, I, I sense we're crossing a threshold. This is a, this is a very important message. There are things that happen throughout the year because we fast and I'm intentional. You know, the, the last three years since I've been pastor, we've been in here praying when the clock struck 12 on New Year's Eve. This year there was a, about a hundred or so people in here, we were praying together at midnight. On New Year's Day, I gathered with families and served communion one-on-one -on -one privately, and we prayed and blessed them because we want to start, we want to give the first part of the year to the Lord. Listen, oh, there are things when I fast in January that happen throughout the year and the Lord clearly speaks to me. I know this is on Facebook. I may, I may sound or look silly or old school. I don't care. Something supernatural, significant, special will happen in our ministry or in our family 
some crazy blessing that you can't explain, and God will speak to me and say, it may be September, and God will say, that actually happened in January. There's two things. I'll give you an example. It was September 2018. Lou Torino was sitting right over there, and I read from Ephesians 1, the thing I read earlier, that you might have the spirit of wisdom and revelation, that the eyes of your heart might be opened, that you might understand the glorious inheritance you have in Christ Jesus. And, and I opened up and gave the altar call, and Lou raised his hand to receive salvation. And that guy got saved. Dr. Lou Torino got saved to the bone. And God spoke to me and said, that happened in September, but it really happened in January. It was manifested here. Recently, brothers and sisters, you know, you didn't give $200,000 plus to help us revitalize and remodel this campus because of the brochure or the marketing approach, the salesmanship of your pastor and the elders. God spoke to me. It's because we honored him last January and we opened up 2019 and we said, Lord, this is your year. If you honor the Lord, come on. The Daniel fast is just don't do meats, sweets, or bread. Pastor Chuck, I don't know if I can do that. I work a strenuous job. Okay, fast Facebook. Fast soft drinks. Your flesh is going to want it so bad. And go, Pastor Chuck, Fasting makes me feel sick. No, listen, fasting might heal you of your high blood pressure. Fasting might heal you of your arthritis. Don't get me started. I, here's the, the best burrito is at a BP in Alpharetta, okay? So, I, I know I have five more weeks to spend on this, but look at me, brothers and sisters. Many of us have sicknesses that we don't need to have. We're eating stuff we shouldn't be eating. And there's a bunch of health freaks, tree huggers in here who know that in the environment, God has put things in the natural diet that will heal heart issues, blood issues, arthritis, brain issues. The list goes on and on and on. But we're Americans, and we have money, and so we'd rather do this right here. Pills and surgery, lifestyle change, fast. Give me a pill. We don't care about the side effects. Makes me feel better. It gets my blood. Lifestyle change, fast. Seek the Lord. Give God the first part of January. Oh, the devil has pulled a trick on us. We're deceived. May you get it. I got to read this. Where'd my phone go? Google this. Not now, but thank you, honey. But let me see if I can pull it up. Anybody heard of Dr. Henry S. Tannen? Again, don't Google it now. This is a guy. Let me just read it to you real quick. This, this isn't long. The human body, this is from the British Medical Journal in 1880. The human body has hitherto been regarded as only capable of existing from 8 to 10 days when all supplies have been cut off. 
In 1877, a physician by the name of Henry Tanner had decided to end his life because he was plagued with asthma, chronically disrupting his sleep and rheumatism. Dr. Tanner spent his days in constant agony. He articulated his anguish. I had found a shortcut and had made up my mind to rest from physical suffering in the arms of death. Not believing in suicide, however, he decided that the only other way to die would be to starve himself. He had been taught that humans could not live past 10 days without food. What happened next was remarkable. Notwithstanding some minor uncomfortable symptoms, Dr. Tanner noticed that by his fifth day, he could sleep peacefully again. By the 11th day, expecting Dr. Tanner to be near death, a fellow physician examined him but noted his excellent health. Other physicians also checked in on him, and the British Medical Journal published an account of his fast, stating, his being able to live during the first 14 days without water or food is extraordinary. Although some physicians were in such disbelief that they claimed he was a fraud, an additional 31 days of fasting resulted in complete resolution of his asthma, rheumatism, and chronic pain. Dr. Tanner had made an astounding discovery. As it turned out, doing nothing, just listen, caveat, was more effective than doing anything else when it came to his own health. And as it turned out, Dr. Tanner had stumbled upon an ancient adaptation of many animals, including humans. The tendency to fast in response to acute illness. When we become acutely ill, our need for sleep and rest increases. Appetite is reduced and eliminated for a period of time, often days. We are designed to fast as a healing tool. And Dr. Tanner was lucky enough to observe and document his experience. I could give you example after example. What's that saying? Going through the McDonald's drive-thru is not going to help your high blood pressure. Forgive me, but even Chick-fil-A. I know I just created blasphemy right there. Forgive me. But here's what I'm saying. Look, I've, I've tried to do that. I've tried to help people. I can't make you do it, but I sure do. I want to hit pause and do what. Do you get it? Brothers and sisters, listen. The emotion, the toxins in your body. If you fast the first three days, if you can get past the first three, you don't have to fast like I fast. It's between you and the Lord, but Pastor Chuck, my head, you're probably going to have a headache. You're going to feel a little woozy. Why? Because you're getting a lot of poisons out of your body. It's, it's that. You can feel better. I was with a friend not too long ago had lost about 80 pounds. And I, we were talking. I said, Kevin, we love the varsity. But you know that feeling when you leave the varsity? It's like your self-esteem just went, Pfft. you know, you're like, it's just so good going down. And he said, you know what? I lived 40 years with that feeling. You know how many people live with that feeling? You don't have to live. God created your body to not have all the stuff the FDA approves to go into your system. There's a reason why in Europe 
ADHD and ADD and cancer is a fraction of what we have here. Am I preaching to anybody? Pastor Chuck, you done gone to meddling. No, maybe your addiction could be broke if you got the toxins out of your brain and you saw in HD again. And you were able to spiritually, spirit, soul, and body be able to get 3 John verse 2, may you prosper even as your soul prospers. If you feel like you've been eating the last three weeks at the varsity, it's going to be hard for you to prosper. Cleanse your body. Go to Whole Foods. Spend 20 bucks. Get some juice. I'm, oh, I'm going I'm to drill down here. Listen, we worship food in this country. We can't even get together and converse without food. I love food. I just ran 1,000 miles last year. Literally, because I love food. I love the right kind of food. You go on a fast, oh, this is revelation, revelation. You go on a fast, you will realize your mind has been playing tricks on you. You don't need food like you think you need it. You don't. Pastor Chuck, you're crazy, you and your little 180-pound self. No, it's 178, thank you very much. But it, listen, it... Pastor you, no, you don't know. You don't get it. When you fast, the clarity that you, you get in the spirit, you turn down the noise. Your body gets healed. Listen, you feel 18 years old again. I promise you. you go, okay, I'm going to fast. I'm going to do the Daniel fast. I'm going to, if you are, good. Don't go spend $400 this afternoon and buy every Daniel's fast cookbook to where you can fast and not even feel it. Because this has become so trendy and faddish. If it's not a sacrifice, if you're not having to de deny your flesh, it's not a fast. Crucify your flesh so that you can get in tune with the Spirit. And listen, and you will not be a faithless generation. You will be a faith-filled generation. And when somebody needs deliverance from demonic possession, you can pray the prayer. You don't have to call Pastor Chuck to come do it. You can be a faith-filled generation. Look at me, brothers and sisters. I'm going to pray and seek the Lord this year more than I ever have. And we're going to see the kingdom of God come in this place. And I encourage you, let's jump in together. If you don't have the U-verse, version app, get it. There's a 21, there's two different 21-day devotionals that I'm going to be putting out, and you can actually join us together on social media, and we can chat and encourage each other. I think she has a picture of the U-version app. The elders, I've invited them, and we're going to be encouraging and sharing stories, and I want to encourage you. What, what, what do I give up, Pastor Chuck? You pray, the Lord will show you. Everybody got it this morning? Last two, I'm going to mention them. I'm not, I'm not going to talk about them, but I'm going to just mention them. Number four, focus on your family. Um, guys, look here again. We, the, the, the pressure in the culture tries to squeeze me into its mold too. And the pressure of the culture is telling pastors, if you're really effective, you'll grow a big church. 
You might have little people spiritually, but you'll have a big church, and you'll feel big. That's not the kingdom of God. I want to grow big people. I want to grow a believing generation. If we do anything at this church, we are going to go after the mission field of our children, our students, and the next generation. You get ready. The favor of the Lord for us to have a children's ministry and a student ministry that breaks the barriers. It's coming back again to Restoration Church. Why? How do you know, Pastor? Because I'm praying and I'm fasting and I know it's going to happen. I've got too many children growing up in this church still for it to be par and normal and subpar and so-so. Uh-uh. And your ch- look at me, Dad. You got to make your family priority. If it's not happening at ground zero at your kitchen table, you and your wife, you and your children, we're in trouble. This pastor, I had to learn the hard way. I don't have a ministry. If we don't have a ministry. Pray for our marriage. Pray for our family. The enemy would love for me to sacrifice my family on the altar of Restoration Church. I refuse to do it. And I pray that you won't sacrifice yours. You know, the the scripture in Romans 12, it says, in the J.B. Phillips translation, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold. How many of you will say, I get it, Pastor Chuck. I refuse. I refuse to let travel sports and academics and neighborhood swim team and a million other things keep me from raising my children in the house of the Lord. Come on, how many of you raise your hand and say, as for me and my house, come on, as for me and my house, what? As for me and my house, come on, we will serve the Lord. How many of you are committed to that? You get it in the name of Jesus. You say, Pastor Chuck, too much water's gone under the bridge. My children are last year of high school. I regret that with you, but it ain't over. It ain't over. We serve a mighty God. Some of the adults in this church, they goofed off and messed around and got into trouble all through high school, some of them in college. And their elders here and staff members, and God is using them. It's not over till it's over, and it ain't over yet. Can y'all, anybody out there? Lastly, last thing, we need to humble ourselves. That's odd, Pastor Chuck. Of all those things you said we need to get, why that? Look at me. Because we live in a, a day of celebrity ministry. We live in a day of just pride, pride of life, carnal living. It's all about me. It's a selfie world. And look at me. What does 1 Peter 5 say? It says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So humble yourself. Humble yourself so that he will exalt you in due time. How many of you will commit to going, you know what, this year, 
Look at me. I've learned humble yourself is a lot easier than God humbling you. Y'all out there this morning? Come on, stand to your feet. Let's get it. We love you, Lord. We praise you, Father. I'm anticipating this altar is going to be full. And I'm going to ask you to make a commitment and respond. Last summer, I'm, I mow mom and dad's grass. and I do. I, we could pay and get somebody else to do it, but I do it just personally. It's, it's a commitment. I feel like I like doing it for them. Dad will sit out on the metal chair and just watch me mow their grass. And we have a little edger that we bought when I was a youth pastor here that I've just given it to mom and dad. It's over 25 years old, and it's got about a nine-inch blade on it that turns. And it's one of those old ones. It's not the little string. It's And so I edge their yard. That thing starts getting worn down and worn down and worn down. And I didn't even realize it, but, like, if I'm edging and the edger's on this side, I ended up, like, tilting the edger at, like, 45 degree I noticed it, it wasn't edging anymore. Then I noticed the blade is getting so short. That's what's happening. The blade is getting eaten up. And I thought, I need to take time sometime and go and get it replaced. And I don't know. It's going to take too much time. I don't know how to take it apart. But then and then the belt broke. And I was like, oh, now i got to go to Home Depot. I turned my hour and 30-minute job into a three-hour job. And I thought, well, while I'm at Home Depot, I'm not going to get just the belt. I'm going to go ahead and replace the blade. And I had a, I had a personal revival breakout. I got back, put that belt on, and put that blade. And I realized I've been working about 40 minutes doing the edging on Mom and Dad's half-acre yard. With that new blade, I was... I was done in like four minutes. I had edged their yard, the neighbor's yard, and I barely, that blade was so long, I had to keep that edger from just going on by itself. Finally got the first thing that that thing was designed to do fixed. Got the blade replaced. There are many of us, the enemy, he's got us living our life we got God in the top three and we're tilting this thing over and we need our belt to break. So we'll go to Home Depot and return to the first things. If you're here this morning and you say, Pastor Chuck, I'm getting it this year in 2020. My aha year has started today. I want you to step out and come in.